Welcome to the place where people of faith find real answers. We believe women deserve more than just religious band-aids for their most difficult and destructive relationships. And now for today's episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome. I'm Julie Sedanko here with Leslie Vernick, and today we're going to discuss something people don't really think of as abusive. It's called indifference. Leslie, I will never forget the first time I heard you say, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, hate has some energy behind it. Hate usually has some actions behind it and they're painful and they're abusive, but they have some energy where I talk about indifference. I mean, there's no energy given to the relationship. There's no energy given to you as a person. I'm indifferent. I don't care whether you live or die. I don't care whether you stay or go. I don't care whether you eat or you don't eat. I don't care whether you have enough money or not have enough money. I don't care whether you're hurt or happy. I'm indifferent. I don't want to give you any of my energy. No time, no talk, no money, no um, physical help at all. You're on your own. And obviously we're indifferent to a lot of people in this world because we can't care about everybody. And so, you know, we're not saving everybody in every country. We can't, we don't have that kind of bandwidth. We don't have that kind of energy, but the people that we're in a covenant relationship with, especially marriage and family, we've kind of committed to not be indifferent. We've kind of covenanted in a marriage, not kind of, we have made a covenant in this marriage to love, cherish, provide protect, to care about the other person. Paul says, love your wives as your own bodies. That's a pretty big commitment of time, energy, and money. If my body is hurt, I'm going to take care of it. If your body is hurt, I'm going to take care of you. But in a marriage where there's indifference, there's a lack of caring. There's a lack of energy given, not only to date nights or things that we might want as women, but there's a lack of energy given to you as a person to care about you or what you care about at all in any way, including your physical health. Let me give you two examples of cases that I've worked with, actually three, where there was indifference, a pattern of indifference in this relationship. First, a woman woke up in the middle of the night and she was married to a very selfish man who only cared about himself and what he wanted. And she was sick. She was physically ill. She didn't know if she was having kidney stones or if she was having an appendicitis, but it felt like she was giving birth, but she knew she wasn't giving birth, but she knew she was in trouble and she needed to go to the emergency room now. And she woke up her husband and asked him to drive her. And he rolled over and said, no, I have an important meeting tomorrow for work. Call an Uber or call your mother. That's indifference. That's saying, I don't care enough about you, even as a person to get my body out of bed and drive you to the emergency room when you're in pain and you're suffering. I don't care. Another example is um, a woman was trying to stay well in a loveless marriage and her husband was very busy doing his own thing and caring about what he cared about. He cared about sports and he was on a lot of sports teams as an adult, you know, um, baseball teams and things like that, softball teams. He was driving to one of his softball games, leaving her home with the kids as usual. And she was doing something she loved. She was doing some gardening and she was working along the driveway of their house planting some bushes or something. And she was digging in the ground. And all of a sudden, a swarm of bees came out of the ground and started attacking her head. And so she's flailing, running down the driveway like a mad woman, trying to get these bees off her head. And her husband's pulling out of the driveway, going to his baseball game, laughing at her. When she gets home from the emergency room, which she went to by herself and drove herself, 
and her head's all swollen and she's got swollen shut eyes. Her husband never asked her what happened. He didn't ask her how she was, nor did he say, I am so sorry. I didn't realize what was happening. He was indifferent, total absence of care for her. And the third example is a woman who had major surgery and came home from the hospital. And it made her cry that her husband never once checked in on her, never asked her if she had food, if she needed help to go to the bathroom, never asked if her incision was okay, never gave her any TLC at all when she was home. She had to fend for herself and she could barely walk. This is indifference. This is gross indifference. And it's incredibly painful. If you have married someone who promised to love, cherish, honor, and protect you and provide for you and has no interest in you at all, that's abusive and it's destructive. And Christians don't talk about this. What is a woman supposed to do? She's tried every which way to change things and he doesn't want to put any energy to change things. He doesn't care. What if a woman is married to a man who isn't that extreme, but his actions feel indifferent because he's very passive or introverted? How do you know whether it's just a personality issue or a destructive indifference? Well, I think it's really important to look for the pattern. We want to see an overall pattern of indifference, not just, you know, he doesn't like to go to parties that I like to go to, or he doesn't want to have friends over and I want to have friends over, or he doesn't plan date nights and I want him to plan date nights. Um, those might be flaws in his personality and flaws in his character, but here's where you want to look at. Does he care about me when I'm sick? Does he care about us financially? Does he provide for our family? Does he care about my goals? So maybe he doesn't wanna go out and socialize, but I do, and he doesn't say, I can't. He says, go. If you wanna go on vacation with your girlfriends, go. I don't care, I spend the money. I just don't wanna do that. That's not comfortable for me. I don't like that. So he's defining what he is good at and what he's not good at, what he's willing to do, what he's not willing to do, but he's not oppressing your freedom to have the choice to do that with other people. Now. Obviously, if there's a lot of those areas, it makes a marriage very lonely and empty. But sometimes there is one or two areas. Like, for example, a husband may be really good at acts of service and doing things around the house and providing and, and all that, but he's not real good at deep conversations or romantic conversations. Uh, he might want sex, but it's not very creative or romantic. And you're a little lonely in that department and you share those feelings with him and he's passive. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to change. And maybe he doesn't even want to change. It's uncomfortable for him. Change is uncomfortable for all of us, but he's a good man in many other ways. I wouldn't call that the gross aspect of indifference as, it, as an emotionally abusive marriage. I would, but it's certainly indifferent to your needs in certain areas. And all of us sometimes can be indifferent to someone's needs because they conflict with our own needs or our own personality. And it's hard for us to overcome that. That's part of our immaturity and our sinful nature, but I wouldn't call it a gross indifference to you as a total person. So an example from my own life and marriage, my husband doesn't mind to go out, but he's not one to initiate going out at all. He's more of a homebody, whereas I'm the polar opposite. Earlier in our marriage, this was something I would really nag him about. I wanted him to take the initiative, to be the romantic. And I had always heard that you have to spell it out for guys. Tell them exactly what you want. So I zeroed in on my 40th birthday and told him to please make it really, really special. Well, a week beforehand, he had nothing planned. And I started feeling like he was really indifferent to me. 
especially in this area. But I'm not one to give up, so I decided to make it even easier. I literally bought certificates to restaurants and handed them to him and said, it's already paid for, all you have to do is pick a date and take me out. Every single one of those certificates expired. Now, obviously I was hurt and a little angry, but is this indifference? I wouldn't call it indifference in an emotionally abusive way unless it's indifferent in lots of categories besides just this one. Um, but however, when we tell someone that something's really, 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 really important to us and they ignore that, that is painful and it's really hurtful. And you have two choices. One is you can say, I can't do this kind of relationship with someone who's totally indifferent to a need that I have to have someone care enough about me for my birthday to take me somewhere nice, even if he's got coupons to go there or gift certificates, or I'm going to focus on all the good things he does and who he is and know that this is a terrible weakness of his, an immaturity of his, a, a fear of his, whatever it is, and plan a date night and see if he goes with me. Because is, is it about me? Is it about not wanting to be with me? Or is it about the fear of initiating, the fear of planning, and him not willing to face that fear? So many of us have lots of fears about stuff, and we don't want to face it, and we don't want to push through it. So, so here's where you could discern, Julie, is this about me and he's really indifferent to me? Or is he scared of doing those things and he just avoids and pushes it on the back burner. But if you did them, he would be happy to go with you and you might even have a good time. But as long as you have in your mind that he doesn't love me, if he doesn't do it, or he doesn't care enough, if he doesn't do it, then it can be very, very hurtful. I know on my next birthday, um, I planned a trip to California and he was perfectly happy to stay home with the kids. And I ended up leaving and having a great time. And I wasn't mad at him about it. But um, it was something that was difficult for me to accept, but you're right. He is somebody that, yeah, if I plan it, he'll go, but it was disappointing. And it would, took me a long time to finally accept that. And I think this goes back to what we've talked about in an earlier podcast, that, that marriage is disappointing at times that we are hoping for this, you know, somebody who's got all, all the strengths and none of the weaknesses, and there isn't any such person. And so I think that, it's best if we can know what those weaknesses are ahead of time and whether or not we want to commit a lifetime to that person if they have certain weaknesses, but we all have them. We all have them. And, you know, sometimes somebody might not be very affectionate. They grew up in a household that just wasn't that way and it's not easy for them and it's not comfortable. And so they may not initiate that. They may receive it if you go up to them and give them a hug and they may hug you back, but they may not go up to you and just initiate a hug and those kind of things because that's not comfortable. It's not something they even think about. It's not on their radar because it just didn't happen in their home. And I think we can make up stories in our head that, oh, this person doesn't care and they don't care about me. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about this kind of abusive relationship. Indifference is where overall this person is neglectful. You know, child abuse studies now are showing that um, neglect is actually more damaging to the psyche of a child than physical abuse because when someone physically abuses you as a parent, you know, usually they're mad that you did something wrong or you did something you should have done and they're, you know, losing their temper and they're not handling it well, but they're showing some energy in caring about you. I care that you messed up. I cared that you didn't go to school. I cared that you didn't do good on the football team. I cared, you know, I cared enough about you 
to talk about this. And of course I'm doing it all wrong and I'm losing my temper and I'm harming you in the process, but a kid at least feels like, okay, they've got some energy here. Whereas if I don't care whether you take drugs or not, if I don't care whether you eat or not, I don't care whether you're supervised by someone safe or not, that's pretty darn painful to a kid of like, oh my gosh, I mean nothing to this person. I mean, not, I don't matter to this person. And so when we're looking at indifference in marriage, it's, it's that degree. And, you know, when someone promises to care, like a parent when they have a baby, or like when you go to a marriage ceremony, I have never been to a marriage ceremony, and I've been to lots of them, where only one person made promises. Mm-hmm. Both people make these promises, these covenant promises to, to cherish, to love, to provide, protect. And when one person says, oh, now I have a place to live, but I don't have to put any energy in cherishing, loving, providing, and protecting you. I can just go do what I want to do and spend my resources however I want to spend them, and I don't have to give any to you or care about you. That's incredibly painful. And here's what you need to do if this is you. And this sounds so trite as I'm thinking about it. It's not about you. So what happens when you're unloved and you are? Like when I was a child, I told my story about me being abused as a child. My mother did not love me. In her latter years, she told me she didn't know how. But at the part of my littles, I didn't know why she didn't love me. So it's very easy to say she didn't love me because I'm unlovable. There's something wrong with me. There's something I'm doing wrong. If only I cleaned the house better. If only I didn't aggravate her. If only I got straight A's. If only I wore my hair the way she wanted me to, then she would love me. And so if you're a wife who's listening to this and you're saying, if only I got breast implants, if only I lost weight, if only I got my hair, then he would love me. That's not, it's not you. If someone doesn't love you, it's not about you. It hurts you for sure, but it's about them. It's about what they care about, what they do. And you can't make someone love you. And please don't beg someone to love you. That's degrading yourself saying, I need you to love me in order for me to be okay. And the truth is you don't, you need God to love you in order for you to be okay. And he does, you are perfect in his eyes. He loves you unconditionally. Do you have some maturing to do? Do you have some work to do for yourself? We all do. He knows that, but he loves you. I had a client once and this illustrates what we're talking about. In a fit of anger, she took her diamond ring, which was quite large. She took it off her finger and she threw it down the toilet and flushed it because she was so mad at her husband that she was going to teach him a lesson. <laughs> ah, and this, ring, this ring means nothing to me. And she threw it down the toilet and flushed it and there it went. Um, it was at least a $25,000 ring. And oh. so did in her moment of stupidity, did that make her ring worthless? Absolutely not. Her ring was very valuable, but in her moment of immaturity and stupidity, she diminished its value by flushing it down the toilet, symbolizing the marriage is over, but she could have at least cashed it in at the pawn shop and made at least $10,000 and used it to live for a while, but that's not what she did. And so if your husband treats you like you're garbage, like you're nobody, like the Levite did to his concubine in Judges 19, that doesn't make it true. It doesn't make you worthless. And that's where it's so important. So one of the most horrific stories in the Bible, and I've often wondered why it's in there, but it's about indifference. It's about indifference. And it's a story about a Levi, a Jewish man 
and his concubine wife, which was a low status wife. It's a sexual object wife. And he's taking her on a journey. She actually ran away from him earlier in the story, went back to her own family. And he went back and got her and promised her all kinds of wonderful things. Like maybe I'm not going to abuse you anymore, or I'm going to care about you now. So she went back with him and on their way back to their home, um, they stopped in a village and in Jewish hospitality was that you sit at the city square and somebody comes and invites you to their house to stay. But this was not a normal city. This was a, a very dark city that had a lot of sexual deviancy in the city. And so a Jewish man came and said, hey, you can't sit in the city. You've got to come to my house because it's not safe here for you and your wife. So they went to his house and the people of the town and their sexual darkness and deviancy came banging on this man's door saying, you know, throw out this man. We want to have sex with him. So there was this homosexual crowd that wanted to have, you know, non-consensual sex with his house guest. And the man who was the host said, no, no. And even in that culture, which was very patriarchal and diminishing of women, said, you can take my virgin daughter, but please don't disgrace me by taking my house guest. Well, of course, the Levite man didn't allow him to throw out his daughter, but what he did do in an act of gross indifference is he threw out his concubine wife. He threw out the door. He threw her out the door to the crowd. And she was sexually violated multiple times by these evil, wicked people in the city. And they left her on the doorstep, bleeding, broken, and dying. When morning came up, she was dead. And in his indifference, he didn't care, didn't shed a tear. He just threw her body on the donkey, ended up cutting her in 12 pieces, sent her to the 12 tribes of Israel, and then made up a story about him being the victim. Look what they did to me and my wife and my property. We need to wage war. So this is what often happens in an abusive relationship is that all of a sudden the true victim is silenced, but the one who was the victimizer or the oppressor starts to tell everybody else they're the true victim. I think God put this story in the Bible for multiple reasons, but it's a horrific story of gross indifference to the well-being and welfare, the bodily welfare of his wife that he didn't care enough about her to protect her from violent, wicked people. And in fact, used her as a shield to protect himself. It's a sad, sad story. Wow. Leslie, if a woman is married to someone who is truly indifferent, is there any way to change that? And if not, what does she do? There isn't any way that you can make someone care about you. Jesus himself cried in Matthew, I think it's 28, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you together as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not, you would not. He longed for a relationship with these people and they would not, they did not. And so you can't make someone love you. All you can do is decide whether or not you can safely live in this household. And maybe you can, and you choose to because you have young children to raise or you don't have the financial wherewithal to support yourself. But if he's indifferent to you financially, then you are supporting yourself. And oftentimes we have, I've talked to lots of women who are actually supporting him. He's laying on the couch all day or he's watching video games, playing like a child, indifferent like an infant would be indifferent to the mommy's needs for sleep or care. They're so immature that they're completely indifferent. You're working like a dog outside, bringing money to support his childish habits. 
and he's not making dinner. He's not cleaning up. He doesn't ask you about your day. He doesn't care if you're tired. You're just doing it all. And if that's the case, understand that that's not biblical love. Biblical love acts in the best interest of the other person. And so let's ask a question. Is it in his best interest that you keep enabling him to function like a 12-year-old or a three-year-old? Is it in his best interest that you put all kinds of pillows around him financially or relationally so that he doesn't have to suffer the consequences of his own stupid choices? You know, sometimes in our kindness as Christians and in our desire to be merciful and loving, we're actually harming the other person by being too soft on their sin and too willing to put the consequences on the back burner. Your husband has failed you in every way, but he's also failing himself and he's failing God. He's failing to mature. He's failing to grow up. And you might be enabling that by allowing this to continue in the home. And so it might be that you have some tough choices to make. He's left you. He hasn't left the home because it's a nice home and you've provided all of that for him, but he's left you or he's never covenanted with you, even though he said he did. And he's not there, even though he's physically there. And the Bible says when someone's not there, the covenant's broken. And in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, if you're married to a man who's an unbeliever and he wants to leave, let him go. But what if he leaves or he's already left, but he hasn't really left. He's still living in the house, but he's left. He's with other women. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't support you. He doesn't give you any of his time, his money, or his energy. Those are our three resources, time, energy, and money. And he gives you none of that for your welfare and care. What are you supposed to do? Would God ask you to lie and pretend and keep this legal arrangement going at your own detriment? Does that glorify God? Or does it glorify God more to call a spade what it is? The marriage is dead. You've left. You're living in the house because it's easy for you to do that, but you've left. You've left the marriage covenant. You've left the marriage relationship. You have no energy being put toward this relationship. Let's call it for what it is. The marriage is dead. And divorce is the legal declaration of that reality. You're not breaking up the home. The home is broken. We're just calling it for what it is. We're telling the truth. And I don't think God's asking Christian women or men to lie and pretend to make it look pretty just for the sake of appearance. That was never Jesus's way. And so I don't think he would want us to do that now. Wow. Some really difficult words, but ones we really need to hear. Leslie, would you pray for women and men who are dealing with indifference? Father, I just ask for your grace to shine upon anyone who's listening, who's feeling totally unloved, like Hagar, who was thrown out in the desert by Abraham and Sarah's indifference to her. Go, you're in our way. Leave us alone. You served your purpose. Now that I have my own baby, we don't need you. Get out of here. What a horrible way to treat someone. And yet we see her in the wilderness crying out, pleading. And you came to her, Lord. And it says in the scriptures that Hagar said, the God who sees, sees me. Hagar was an unloved woman by Abraham and by Sarah. But she wasn't unlovable. God, you saw her. You loved her. You protected her and provided for her. Lord, I just ask that you would show up for any person who's listening today, who's in that space, that they would know that they are a person of worth and value, even if 
another individual declares it's not true. Even Jesus had people declare you're unworthy to him. And it wasn't true. Lord, help us to live in the truth and walk in the truth and not let the words of another person or even the actions of another person determine who we are or who we become. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to hit that follow button. And we would appreciate if you would leave your honest rating and review of this podcast. Well, until next time, may God bless your mind, your heart, and your home.